you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. church and leave and don't know the amount of labor and work that happens behind the scenes. And over the last long while, there have been so many incredible volunteers. And I don't have a list of names this morning, but every every week we pull in and if it's winter time, the parking lots have been shoveled and cleaned. And if it's summertime, the yard has been cut and the building has been cleaned. staff work so very hard, and then, of course, Pastor Danny mentioned all of the, the building project that's underway, and there's so many people that make CLC the church that it is. I think we ought to take a moment and just say, God bless you to all of those people that give their time, their energies, and their efforts. Amen. I've often said there's three climates in every church. There is there is the, the physical climate, and that is the building, the structure, the dynamic of, of um, the operation of the church. There is the spiritual dynamic of the church, and then there is the financial dynamic of the church. And uh, we are blessed to have a group of faithful people that keep this church moving forward. And thank you for that, and thank you for the incredible reach. Our ladies just returned from wonderful ladies conference in Indianapolis and I know they are charged and excited. Um, I wasn't able to log on because the last three days I've been meeting with the men as we have been working in this north building and uh, 
and so many things that are happening. And we're just excited. I'm glad to be part of God's kingdom. How about you? Amen. Matthew chapter 11, one verse, verse number 12. And this is a verse that I have heard quoted and used from time to time. And today I'm going to pull from this verse. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. By the help of the Lord this morning and your help, I'm going to preach this subject to, to you. Join the fight. Join the fight. Father, would you help us this morning with your word, O oh Lord, to speak what you have inspired upon my heart and put in my spirit over the last few days. I pray that you open the hearts and minds of your people, Lord, as we speak your word this morning and let it find its lodging place in every heart, that someone that doesn't know you may find you and those that may be walking with you may take a step forward in you. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. That's right. That's what those seats are used for. We don't use them very often, but they can be seated. But I hope you're on the edge of your seat this morning. I'm preaching to preaching. Amen. In this text, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees with their idea that God's kingdom was going to be set up with ease. Now, I've heard this passage used, and it usually is used in some extra-biblical way, perhaps, that has always been a little bit difficult for me to wrap my mind around. It's like I'm not sure what what I'm supposed, supposed to do oftentimes when I've heard this scripture mentioned. Hopefully, I can fix some of that today by the help of the Lord and a more clear explanation of this passage and correlating it with other passages that may uh, bring about the same basic idea and thought of scripture. The Pharisees had this concept that God was going to set up some sort of perhaps a golden kingdom with a beautiful golden palace and the world would flock there for peaceful rest and relaxation. And that's what serving God is about. I got a feeling that if serving God was all a bed of roses and everything was perfect in the moment that you were born again, that all troubles in life vanished, it wouldn't be nearly as difficult to persuade people to serve God. But unfortunately, we have learned through the years that uh, when you serve God, there is, there is a, a, an insulation from the world, but not an isolation from the world. And we've learned that it rains on the just and on the unjust. The difference is is that when certain tragedy comes, particularly loss, the apostle uh, wrote about it and said, "For for we we don't hope as we we don't we we don't grieve or we don't weep as those having no hope, um, even in death." He's he's talking about uh, for a child of God, for we have a hope that's beyond this world, and so when we go through the trials and tests and troubles of life, the difference is is we have God working in our life with a faith and a knowledge in God that others do not have. And so we have to trust in that knowledge of what God uh, has for us and is doing in our life. Evidently, the religious people of 
the day of our text had a different concept. They didn't know what the kingdom of God in earth was going to look like. Jesus himself had talked about it and preached about it. Even the disciples didn't know exactly what the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom of heaven in earth was going to look like. I mean, what, what does that look like when somebody talks about that? And then, of course, the, the, the passage of our text uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There was, there was a concept that was being taught because the whole idea of some sort of a golden kingdom, golden palace, and that, by the way, is not a biblical term I'm using. It's just a concept. The only way that I know to describe what, uh, what I see happening in this text where that the kingdom of God in earth in their mind must have been uh, a perpetual uh, place of euphoria. It's just rest and relaxation and enjoyment. Um, and followers would amass by the, by the tens of millions and the world would all come together and everybody would follow Christ and everybody would enjoy peaceful days and ice cream socials and, and, uh, or, or maybe it was hummus dinners, I don't know. But whatever it may have been uh, in that day, that would have been uh, an unparalleled sense of peace and euphoria in their mind's eye of what the kingdom of God in earth would look like. But this has never been God's plan for his people, not from the beginning. God never promised that serving him would be a bed of roses, as a matter of fact, the scripture tells us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow him. Now, that's why people struggle with serving God. Because serving God actually comes with a price. There is a benefit to serving God. And hopefully I'm preaching to a group of people today that understands the benefits of serving God. And I can talk for a minute about the other side of serving God because it's not all a bed of roses and everything doesn't automatically just, just work out to where it makes you feel good. But in the end, serving God will always work out in your best interest. Now, this is the, this is the whole idea. Everything in the kingdom of God is not quick, uh, enjoyment and gratification, but it is an eternal, it is an ending enjoyment, it is an ending peace, it is an ending satisfaction, but God's kingdom has never been, there's never been the purpose of God's kingdom, it's never described as this place of, of no troubles and no sorrow and no grief, not in this life, that is not the story of this life, the, the whole story is that in the end, that heaven will be a place of no grief and no sorrow and no pain. And so for here, for a season, though we walk through heaviness because we know that there is a more eternal weight of glory that is awaiting us. Am I making any sense this morning? And so the whole idea is that what we go through here and what we face here is just temporal, it's just 
for a little while, but it's worth it all. One of these days, we're going to say it was worth it all. That's the whole idea that the Lord is saying my kingdom will come with a price and that price may include war for the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. There was an idea here. This was a, this was a perhaps war uh, cry. Maybe this was a point where uh, the, the Lord was trying to speak to his people and help them understand Hey, serving me is not going to be a bed of roses, but there may be some war, there may be some work, there may be some labor, but it's going to be worth it all. You will take it, but you may have to do some labors. I want to help you with this this morning because this is not the only, this is a New Testament passage, and normally I would preach in reverse order where I would preach the Old Testament concealed and reveal it into the New Testament as the Scripture does. But this morning I'm going into reverse order with this idea because Numbers chapter 1, uh, verse number 1 begins with a story of the Lord calling Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. Now watch, now Numbers chapter 1 is unveiling something. Why uh, all the detail in, in, in Numbers 1, 1, and 2? Because it is giving us uh, a, a very... Um, governmental order to how they were to handle uh, what was about to be unfolded. So it said, go in to the tabernacle of the, the house and it's do it at this specific time and take a certain number of the people, of the children of Israel, of their families, and it's all, by, it's counted by numbers. And verse 3 says, from 20 years old and upward. All that are able to go forth into war in Israel. Watch this now. And thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. So go into the house on this certain day, count the people, find out who is there. Here's some age-specific ideas. And then verse 4, and with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every head, of house in the house of his fathers. Am I doing okay this morning? I want to help you understand where I'm coming from today. In this text in Numbers, we find the first recorded army draft. There's no other way that I know to explain it. This was a military draft that was being set up, and it was to happen at a certain time, a certain age, the way it was worked. God told Moses exactly how he wanted it to be done. At the end of the draft, Israel had an army that would have numbered upwards of 600,000 men. And, of course, we know the end of the story. That army was unstoppable. I, I feel so moved in my spirit today to speak to some folks in this house and let you know that God is has aligned the times and the seasons and the places. 
It's not by it's not by accident that we are where we are in the societal timeline and God's great timeline of this universe. It's not by accident. God has created the alignment of all things and God has aligned your life and God has brought your life into order. He has placed you where you are. You are in the right place. You're not in the wrong place. You're in the right place. When you're whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing in life, that's that's just temporal. That's everybody say that's life. I'm not making light for those of you that may be going through really tough times, but it is life. It rains on the just and unjust. We all go through it. We all walk through days. We, my wife and I know about those days of those hard days, and I, I don't want to talk too often about this, but, but the, the cancer that she battled for a, a season was so very try, trying in our life, in our home, in our family, even in the church. It, there was a deep effect on every, but there was an end to it. There was another side to it. And today God has blessed, and here we are today rejoicing in what the Lord has done. So not making light of what you have gone through or may be going through, but what I am speaking to you today is that wherever you are, God has, he, he maybe didn't design it for you or plan it for you. Maybe it's just part of life that you are where you are. Maybe God just allowed it to happen to you because he's working everything for your good. That, that's what the Bible said. There, he's not against you. He's not working against you. He's not trying to. There was only a few times in Scripture where God allowed Israel to fail. He, he allowed them because of their disobedience. He allowed them to walk through some things, through some darkness. He allowed that into their life so that they would, in, in the end, be saved and draw themselves back to the Lord. And so what you're going through in life, I... I don't immediately jump to the idea of God must be punishing me or God must be against me. Oftentimes what we go through is just a season of life. It is just what we are facing, what we are dealing with. And in this text in Numbers, he reaches into the homes and families of people and he says, now it's time for you to join in the battle. Now it is time for you to enlist in the service of the kingdom of God. And I do feel so much today in my spirit to say to every person that is in this house that I believe regardless where you are in life, whether you're a young married, a middle aged, or you're a senior in the house, whether you've been in the church for a long time, or whether you're new around here, it doesn't matter. But the Lord has assigned a season for us to enlist in the battle. Uh, we'll go somewhere this morning if you'll go with me, but God is calling people to sign up and become part of the battle in the kingdom of God. If I have to fight, I want to know who I'm fighting with and who I'm fighting against. And, and But that's not all. I don't only want to know who my enemy is.
enemy is, I also want to know who my brother and sister that are in battle with me, who's, who's fighting on my side. Come on, somebody. I need to know that my brother and my sister are prayed up, studied up, and ready to fight. They are faithful. They are working. Come on. I got to have somebody. I got to have somebody that says, come on, brother. Come on, sister. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm on your side. I'm with you. The devil is our enemy. I'm not your enemy. I'm not your, I'm not against you. God is not against you. We have an adversary and he's not part of this church. I just got to get that out this morning that I want to know who it is. And if I've got to fight through life, I don't know what my family would have done when we walked through dark days and, and, and difficult seasons if it had not have been for the, the church family and for God who were on our side. I saw a post, I believe it was maybe even this morning, that I saw someone that's recently gone through uh, a d dilemma, had surgery, had some difficulties here. I'm not sure, Sister Kara, there you are. I saw your post this morning and she called specific names of some of the sisters that have prayed for her and helped her and cared for her and been there for her. That's what the church ought to look like because this is not a cakewalk. This is not a little R&R &R while we wait for his return. But we're in a real battle. This is real war and there are difficulties. The enemy, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. Come on, I need my brother or my sister. I need linked up with you. I need to know that I can trust and we are fighting together, not fighting one another, but we are fighting together the adversary of our soul. If I could call someone to understand the impact of being overly passive and dealing with with an aggressive opponent. I, I, I may be, if I could persuade someone to get up this morning and get back in the fight, maybe somebody that has just had life that has overcome you to the point that you feel overwhelmed. Come on, this is life. This is what we go through. This is part of life. Serving God does not exempt you from all of the troubles in life. But oh, if it had not have been for the Lord who was on my side. See, I have a strength. Uh, I have a friend. I have a help. I have a brother and a sister. See, there's a lot of benefits to being enlisted in this army called the kingdom of God. There is a benefit, and that benefit way outnumbers the cost. Your peace is worth fighting for. Your joy is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Revival is in your home and family are worth fighting for. Can I go a little further? Revival in the church is worth fighting for. Unity in the church is worth fighting for. It may be a risk involved, but it's worth fighting for because nobody has ever been victorious when they become an island unto themselves and no kingdom divided is ever going to stand. But when the church unifies, when our families come together, when our leadership comes together, when the people of God come together, how good and how pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. May I say, I don't want to fight when I don't know if my opponent is on my side or against me. Come on, we got to get together. We got to work together, pray together, and love one another.
we're going to have revival, we have to have unity. It's time to start to stop watching from the sidelines. See, some had the idea that life was going to just come because I'm now serving God and things ought to be easier for me because I I am entitled. Don't ever get an entitlement mentality when you are in the kingdom of God. That's right, that's right. It doesn't matter whether you come. I, I, yesterday we were teasing a little while. We had two or three guys. We we started at 8 o'clock yesterday morning and two or three guys, their wives are gone. They're, so these guys are having to get up, take care of their kids. and Their wives are chuckling right now. They're having to learn how to, how to, to, to pull double duty. And uh, so, you know, about 9 o'clock they come in looking like they're just worn out, lost their just lost their, I don't know if their dog died. I'm not sure. They, Some of them came in a little late yesterday, and they were moping in just a little bit. We were having a lot of fun with it, giving them a hard time. We went to lunch yesterday. Brother Phil bought lunch. Thank you, Brother Phil, for that. That was kind. We went to lunch yesterday, and we're sitting there, and I kind of looked around at somebody next to me. I said, well, I said, you know, this is kind of a, this is kind of a biblical biblical." Uh, story here, you know, some came in about 11 o'clock and left at 11.30 to go eat lunch, but even those, <laughs> even those that enlist in the last hour, they still get the same pay as those, <laughs> as those who got there at 8 o'clock this morning, but hey, that's the way the kingdom of God is, don't think because you got up early and because you've been so faithful and you pray an hour a day and read your Bible every day, that it automatically means that I'm entitled to everything being perfect in my life. Listen, we've got to lose an entitlement mentality and, and realize this is war. I'm in war. I'm in battle. I'm on the battlefield. It may not feel good, but my survival depends on it. I can't worry about somebody else's input. I'm worried about what I'm doing in the kingdom and how hard I'm working in the kingdom and it doesn't have to be about me and for me but it's about him and his kingdom because I'm fighting for my family for my home for the lost souls of this community we are fighting in the kingdom of God now respectfully this morning I'm going to speak to some of our elders that are here I preach to young people a lot I'm going to speak to some of our elders that are here this morning and very respectful because I honor you. Those of you that are a little older than me and been serving God longer than me, I, I, I understand that it's awkward sometimes to stand up and try to tell somebody that's been serving God longer than you are old how they ought to live for God. I get that. But I'm going to tell you, there is no place, I don't find it anywhere in Scripture where there's a place for you to check out and retire in the kingdom of God. No place. Mm, I feel the health of the Lord this morning because I'm speaking to every elder. I understand the health conditions. My father I, I went to Texas for a funeral last week, and I was there with my father who was getting ready to turn 89 years old here in just another couple of months. And, and I was talking, and he said, son, he said, I can't. I can't make it to church like I used to. I can't, I can't get around like I, I used to. And sometimes it is all he can do to just get from the car into the house. And he has to sit down again. He's, he's becoming weak. I, I remember, I, I'm 55 years old. I, I, I remember when my father was a young uh, man, a young preacher. I remember him preaching and standing on the, the front pews when he preached. I, I, I remember my dad worshiping God. I, I remember him him. Full of 
vitality and strength and energy. I, I remember my dad able to, to dance and shout before the Lord. And I remember his strong voice that he would lift that, that now may not be as strong. And it may, be, it may not be as strong as it once was. Listen, I, I'm not here today to come and speak to elders and say, you ought to act like you're, you're 20 years old or, or 30 years old. And you ought to have the strength and, and, and all the above. But I am going to tell you, there is never a place to sit back and say, well, because I can't do what I used to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to check out and let them go ahead and move the church forward. Listen, it may be the prayer that you pray in the secret place of your home that changes the dynamic of a service that affects the hearts of somebody in this community. Come on, there's no place. Your, your, what you do may change. Listen, I'm 55 and I can't do what I used to do, but I came this morning to tell you that what I can do, I'm going to do with all of my might. That's what I'm calling us to do. Come on, get up from where you are and do what you can. Give God what you can. You may not be able to stand every time somebody in the room stands, but maybe you can just lift a hand and say amen. Maybe it's you can just say hallelujah. Whatever it is you can do, just whatever you do, don't disengage because we're on the battlefield and until he calls us home, we must keep fighting in the fight. can't watch from the sideline. We can't just occasionally cheer all the others on and let them, let them do it. But we must engage in the battle. We need warriors in this battle. We need prayer warriors in this battle. We need worshipers in this battle. We need the people of God enlisted in this battle. If you're not engaged today, maybe you've allowed doubt and fear. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy of the battle. Maybe you've been a little cold and indifferent. Maybe you haven't been on fire for God like you used to be. Come on, I'm calling everybody this morning. It's time for you to say, I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines and watching the enemy have his way in my home, in my family, in relationships, uh, with my children. Whatever it may be this morning is a good day to say, I am enlisting in the army. I am getting signed up in the army. Come on, you're not going to come shake the preacher's hand or sign a roster, but in this kingdom, you were born into it. And when you're in God's hand, no man can take you out. We don't vote you in and we don't vote you out. This is God's kingdom and it's up to you. It is according to your faith. It is what you want to do. And I call you this morning to say, come on, get over the hurt. Come on, get over the pain. Come on, get over the self-pity. Get up from where you are and say it's time to fight in this battle. See, there's a danger in those that watch while others fight and claim victory when the battle isn't won. And the danger of that is that one who doesn't pay the price of war and doesn't put everything on the line for the cause of God's kingdom will never pass on to the next generation the reality of the personal cost of victory. When people really don't engage, there is a, there is a real concern. You want to know what I've learned through the years of serving God and in my involvement in lifetime involvement in ministry is that people when 
they put a little skin in the game, they feel so much different. Mm, it's easy for us to judge somebody else and be easy on ourselves. Ah, to get a better amen than that out of this congregation. It's easy to watch from the sideline and say what they ought to do. up in the North Building, and as many of you know, we, we had originally, we were originally going to uh, bring an architect in and do a, quite an elaborate project of renovating that building, and then we began to look at the end product and the, the architects telling us somewhere between 850000 and $1.2 million we were going to be investing, and uh, it didn't take us long to decide uh, what can we do on our own. And so we started trying to, to figure out what we're doing and, and, and without an architect and engineer involved, we start relying on, on some of our good and faithful men with much experience in these areas. And we have, we're blessed, we have professionals in many of the field and, and wisdom on our board of trustees and men making good decisions and godly decisions and, and being good stewards of our time and of our treasure of our talents, and so we come together, and somebody thinks we should do it this way, and somebody else thinks we should do it this way, and and uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes I feel a little caught in the middle, and I'm trying to trying to listen and trying to make decisions and trying to follow along and let ev- help everybody help everybody be involved. But this is what this is this is what I've noticed. We. Uh, when we were building this building, and we got over into this building, and uh, we we were working here, and uh, there's always decisions to be made when you're in construction. Any of you that have ever built anything know there's always decisions, and so we're making decisions. And uh, somebody said, uh, "You know, what, what what do you think, Pastor? What do you want to do?" And so I usually go and grab two or three guys that are decision makers and pull them together and say, "What do you guys think?" This is our option, and if it's a big ticket item, I may send a text or email to the board of trustees and, and those that are managing budgets and, and uh, make sure that we're okay, and we're working through it, and in the end, they said, well, what if somebody doesn't like the way that this turned out? I said, well, I'm just going to tell them the committee decided to do it. And so somebody said, well, who's the committee? I said, those that show up to work. Those that show, you know why? They got skin in the game. They, they showed up. They're here. They're working. They're working. It's, you know, you, have, you ever been doing something? You, ever, you know, you ever been doing something and somebody comes strolling up? You know, maybe you're just washing your car and somebody comes up and they're like, well, I'm going to tell you why you ought to do that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, this is the way it ought to be. Well, where were you? Where you been? sideline, but every time something doesn't go the way I think it should, I'm either going to get offended or I'm going to speak the way I think it ought to be, but I'm not going to do anything to change it. I heard one of our elders make a statement. He said the church is full of thermometers, people that can tell you how hot or how cold it is. But he said, you know the thing about a thermometer? All they do is tell you what's right and what's wrong. 
but it takes a thermostat to kick the to, to kick the, 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 the furnaces on so that it changes the atmosphere. I don't want to be melodramatic this morning by slowing down to talk to you about this, but what I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, when I start talking about you engaging, we've got to do more than just have somebody that just says, well, I know the way it ought to be done. I want somebody to engage in this battle that we're in and say, hey, I'm going to put some skin in the game. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invest. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to show up. I'm going to give. I'm going to labor. Come on. We've got to do more than just there is so much that happens behind the scenes. I heard this past week in our pastoral meeting. Somebody said we presently have nine Bible studies that are going on. We have two Bible studies group Bible studies, path of life every Sunday morning. We have work days. We have process, Genesis process for overcomers. We have so many different things that are happening. Somebody, uh, we, we, were, we were dealing with uh, uh, something and somebody said, how often is your building used? And I said, every day. They said, every day. I said, there's something going on at the church every day, every day. And you know what I notice? A lot of times it's the same people that are making it happen every day. You feel that tension in the room right now? Look up here. Look up here. I love you. I hope you still love me. I'm not singing a Barney song either. That's from way back in the 2000s. I hope you love me. I love you, but I am telling you, we must engage. Here's what I'm telling you. Young, old, new, established, it doesn't matter. There is a place for you. You need to engage in what God is doing. Come on, you need to get some skin in the game and say, I'm going to be I'm going to be there. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to teach. I'm going to love. I'm going to reach. If something's happening, I want to be in the middle of what it's doing. And you know why? Because then you can pass it on to your kids and to your grandchildren and tell them, listen, let me tell you, this is why we do it. And you've got a story to tell your children and a story for your grandchildren and a story for your great-grandchildren of God's faithfulness because you engaged in the battle. of Israel were in the plains of Moab and the Israelites had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years things had been pretty good for them. Shoes never wore out. Fresh manna every morning. Water flowing from a rock. Life was good. So good that they could easily forget that they're in the wilderness and still on their way to the promised land. Unfortunately in the church sometimes we think this is the promised land. Listen, this world is not our home. This world is never intended to be our home. Ah, we gotta engage. This is war. This is battle. It's go, we're gonna get we're gonna get some scratches and we're gonna get some hurts and 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 we we're, we're uh, offenses. The Bible said uh, offenses will come, uh, but woe unto him that causes the offense. But to that one that has been offended, we must learn to forgive and get up and say, "This is war. I don't have time to grovel in self pity. I've got to get up from where I am and." Fight. Fight in the battle. Some of us have been so blessed that we've forgotten that this is war. And now we pick up in the story of Israel. 
as they are receiving instruction on how to take the promised land. I really got to hurry this morning. I've been I've been riding on my stoops, jumping up on this soapbox here over and over again. I got to hurry through this. Uh, we pick up in the story of Israel's receiving instruction on how they're going to take the, the promised land and how they're going to conquer Jericho and um, and then how they're going to conquer Canaan. See, Israel conquered Jericho. You know, you know the story. They crossed through by God's provision. I mean, they come through the Red Sea and, and, and the Egyptian army is killed all by the miraculous power of God. I mean, the leader stretches forth a rod and the, and the sea parts and they come through on dry land. And then the sea, of course, kills their opponent. They come through and then, of course, they come to a walled city that seemed impossible. And all they had to do there was just, just march around the walls and shout. And the walls came down with a shout. And a lot of people get about that far in serving God and think when I start serving God, there's a promised land. And between here and there, it's going to be the miraculous provision and all of my adversaries are going to be killed and everything that I face is going to come down. The walls are going to fall because I come to church and I shout and I clap and I support and I'm faithful. But listen, it doesn't always come through that because the next thing was they had to conquer Canaan. And if they were going to conquer Canaan, the Bible said they were going to have to fight. Mm -hmm. Everybody say that means war. That means war. That meant that mean they had to get up from where they are and they had to decide to fight. And they had to get up and say, hey, the Lord said to them, listen, uh, you, 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 you've not been expecting to hear this, but this is what I'm going to say. If you're going to conquer Canaan, you have to fight. I came to remind the church today that some of God's promises will come uh, in a spectacular way. I believe in the stretching forth of of the rod and God parts the Red Sea and God destroys. I believe that there's some things that you're just going to pray and it's going to happen and you're going to say, wow, look at God go. And there's some things that you're going to just be able to do what comes natural to you and you're going to be able to march around the walls and shout and Jericho's going to fall. But there will be a Canaan in your life that you're going to have to suit up and armor up and get ready for and say, hey, is this worth fighting? Oh, it's the promised land. That's right. You mean they had to fight over what they have been promised? Yes. As a matter of fact, one text told him, this land's yours, but you have to dispossess the land. You know what dispossess means? The opposite of possess. You got to go in and cast out. Oh, and there were giants in the land. But giants didn't matter. The Lord said, All of it's yours. The only thing standing between you and owning it is you got to go in and throw out the giants that live there. Oh, I don't want to fight. But the issue is, is the Lord gave them the ending promise. He said, If you'll go in and fight the giants, I'll give victory. 
See, there it is. That's why we serve God. Because the end has already been decided. If you will keep on fighting, come on, somebody. you got to get up and get back in the battle. you got to keep fighting. If you will fight, only the ones that are going to be saved is he that endureth until the end. You can't quit. You can't lay down your weapons. You can't stop fighting. You can't get upset because it's not a bed of roses. You've got to keep fighting in this battle and some things are worth fighting for. If we're going to have the kind of church that God has promised, I can tell you we're going to have to work for it. We're going to have to fight for it. Our family, if it's going to be what God has promised, if your children are going to be saved, it may not come easy for all of you. You're going to have to have some patience. You're going to have to show love when you don't feel like it. There may be times that he's even required to stand when everything all against all odds. Sometimes God's promises include work. And sometimes God's promises includes waiting. And sometimes God's promises include love. I feel like I've tapped into something in the spirit this morning that somebody in this room is picking up what I am preaching under the influence of God's spirit this morning. And you are getting ready to get up and get back in the battle and fight again. Listen, you survived it because God knew you had some fight left in you. I feel the help of the Lord this morning. Come on, you can't do this alone. You need to be together with God's people. You got to have the help of the church. I appreciate what the youth is do- are doing. They're upstairs. They're studying. Children are in their classes. Last Sunday, my wife told me she said we had over seventy-five that were just in the eleven and down in our Sunday school classes. Over a hundred in student ministries last week alone. Thank God for that. Thank God for what they're doing. Thank God for their Friday night youth service. Thank God for everything that he is doing through the youth. But listen, the youth are not going to be able to win your battles. They got their own battles to fight. I appreciate what the youth are doing, but we need some full-grown adults to say it's time for me to stop being passive about this thing and for me to engage. And listen, I'm going to talk to the men for a minute. I appreciate the ladies that were at ladies' conference and came home full of victory. But we need some men to enlist in this battle and say, come on, I need some baritone voices to say an amen, to say a hallelujah, to say we're going to serve God in this evil day. We've been given some great and precious promises, but they will require us to engage. We have a place awaiting us that we have yet to inherit. It's already ours, but in order for us to receive it, we, like the Israelites, are going to have to be willing to fight to get it. I believe it's time for some of us to move on to the Word of Promise. See, you've been waiting for the promise to come to us, but God is saying, no, if you'll fight the promises already yours, and the victories already. But it's just going to be, I'm just, why didn't God do it this other way? Because you're not God. That sounds childish when, it, it, when, when, when we get so caught up with our, I, 
say, well, why don't God just automatically do this? He could have done it. He could have saved the apostles who died by boiling oil and beheaded and crucified upside down. God could have changed all of that. He could have, but he didn't. I don't know the why that God lets us go through the things that he lets us go through, but I do know that he says we've got to engage in the battle because since John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, but listen, we've got to be a little more violent because the violent are going to take it by force. That means that, that all that hell has to offer is going to come against the people of God, but the people of God are going to have to rise stronger in faith, stronger in prayer, stronger in faithfulness, and declare not on my watch, not in my home and family, nah, I will stand not in my church. I got to hurry to a close this morning. We're not declaring war, we've been in war. Some of us just failed to recognize it. We've been dealing with the same old things long enough. Some have been going back to the same old addictions, back to the same old patterns. Some have been battling the flesh, and you continue to battle it. It's going to be a battle until he says, well done. Well, every time I decide I'm going to pray, I pray for a season, and then I give up. Every time I'm going to study my Bible, I do it. That's because it's a battle against the will of the flesh. You're going to battle these things. Don't let discouragement overcome you. You can overcome prayerlessness, but it's going to require a fight. And if we're going to conquer the battle of worship, then we have to come in every service and say, you know what, doesn't matter what I've been through this week, I've put on the armor of praise for in place of the spirit of heaviness. I'm coming in and I'm going to give him praise. Some have hidden in their tent too long, waiting for somebody to come and announce victory. We've got to roll the tent flaps back this morning and walk out and say, hey, we're in war and I am engaging and we're going to fight. Some have wandered in the wilderness of self-indulgence and the flesh long enough. You've got to get up and say, hey, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to be faithful even when it costs me. I, I, we, we have wandered around in complacency and spiritual slumber long enough. We've let the youth do it and an elder or two do it or a few spiritual people to do it. It's time for every one of us to get on board. God is calling us into the fight. Victory can be ours, but it not without a fight, but the fight is worth the victory that is promised. There's not going to be victory without a fight. We can't be passive enough that it's going to just pass over because the enemy's after your soul. The enemy's after your family. He's after your peace. The Israelites had to fight with swords and shields. But listen, here's what the apostle said in 2 Corinthians. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. <laughs> Man, 
but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, well, what is what is mine? I got to get in the Word. Every time the enemy starts to war in my mind, I'm going to get in the Word and show him a promise of God in his Word. Every time the enemy tries to, I'm going to come out in prayer. I'm going to come out in worship. I'm going to remain faithful. That's how we fight. You don't want to know how you resist the devil? By being steadfast in the faith. wrestling in some sort of physical realm. Ephesians chapter 6 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. But our wrestling is against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you want to be a mighty warrior, you're going to have to prove yourself in the fight. Let nobody in the building say this is war. Say it like you mean it. This is war. Now, why don't you change that is and say means. Just say this means war. Listen, I, the, the enemy's been coming at some of your homes and families, some of your health, some of your finances, some of your life. This means war. This means war. This means war. This means war. This isn't practice. This isn't, this is for real. We are fighting for a cause, but it'll be worth every prayer. It'll be worth every effort that you put forth in worship. We must overcome the flesh. We must lay down that hindrance. We must put it aside, but somebody's going to declare, I'm going to get my joy back. I'm going to get my peace back. Come on, lift your hands toward heaven right now and declare, my family belongs to God. Satan can take his hands off of my family. This is war. I'm going to be faithful regardless. I'm going to be steadfast regardless. I'm going to be a prayer warrior regardless. I'm going to be a giver regardless. Come on, we're fighting for our future. We're not just fighting for ourselves, but we're fighting for our homes and our families. We're fighting for our souls and their eternal destiny. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the Maybe somebody in this room has heard the word of the Lord. And maybe you've been the one that's been sitting on the sideline. I'm reaching for you this morning to make your decision. I'm going to give you a moment to make up in your mind this morning how you're going to respond. Because in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to open these altars. And when I do, you can either, either go right back to the way things have been in your life or you can step out and declare, I'm joining in the battle. I'm getting on board in the fight. It doesn't mean that you walked away from God. It just means you've allowed other priorities to come into your life. Come on, are you ready to cast down every stronghold, every imagination, every evil way? I open these altars to you now. Would you step from where you are? Walk to the front of this room. Some are rushing to the front of this room right now. Altar workers, help me this morning. Prayer warriors, help us ministers. Help us today. Come on, join in the fight this morning. Join in the fight this morning. Make that decision. I want to get back to the place that I once was in God. I want to have that joy restored. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, respond this, this morning. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Come on, somebody engage right now. Turn this house into a prayer room. Don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. Just you and God for a few moments today. Just you and God today. Oh, 
This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my battles.